this sorrow. I've had enough of this sadness. Have you ever felt like that before? Well, I want you to know this morning that you are in good company. Because in Psalm 55, King David was being tormented by his enemies. He's so sick and tired of being treated badly. He's so tired of the sorrow and the sadness and the judgment that's coming upon the nation of Israel. He's sick and tired of all the wickedness that surrounds him. That in a prayer to God, here's what he says. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. You ever felt like that? You just want to fly away? And get away from it all. I read about a farmer who had a clock. That in the middle of the night. Struck. 16 times. So the farmer got up and he said. Okay wife get up. It's later than it has ever been before. <laughs> Can I tell you something this morning. Christ's return is closer today than it's ever been before. Today may be the day. See, one day believers will all get away from it all. They will all fly away and praise God. Those who belong to Jesus won't be looking for an undertaker. They're going to be looking to the upper taker. Praise God. And as the Apostle Paul continues to speak to this church at Thessalonica, that church that he thought was the ideal church, that church that he thought was filled with ideal disciples, Paul begins to settle some anxiety about these last days. He begins to settle some anxiety that they had concerning the death of their Christian loved ones. If you would turn to page 1050 in the Bibles in front of you, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to share with you the advice that Paul gave to these Thessalonian believers in their anxiety about their loved ones that had gone on before them. Here's what he says beginning in verse 13. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about what's coming concerning those who have fallen asleep or passed away, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep or those who have passed away in Jesus. Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive,
and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have passed on in the Lord. For the Lord himself, say the Lord himself, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Are you getting this? We who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I'll fly away. How about you? Let me tell you a little bit about this flying away that you need to know this morning. This flying away, first of all, involves a lifting up. Look again in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The great evangelist D.L. Moody was once asked, Why do you always look up when you're praying? He said, I always look up when I'm praying because Jesus is up. Heaven is up. Amen? I remember that popular song that said, heaven is a place on earth. I got one thing to say about that. Wrong. Amen? The Bible says that after he made his covenant with Abraham, God went up from Abraham. After his talk with Nicodemus, Jesus said that he came down from heaven. Can I tell you this morning that heaven is up and we need to be looking up. Now this lifting up involves a people. Look in verse 13. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, brothers and sisters in Jesus. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Who has Paul been talking to this whole letter of uh, 1 Thessalonians? Where? At Thessalonica. He's been talking to the Christian believers. The Christian believers at Thessalonica. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is coming for the saved. He is coming for the saved. He is coming for those who have been made alive in him. He ain't coming for the lost. Y'all getting that? He's not coming for those who are still dead in their sins. He's coming for the saved. Friend, will you be among those who he's coming for? Will you be among those that will be lifted up that day? You may say, Brother Bill, I sure hope so. That's what you were thinking, wasn't it? I sure hope so. Well, let me tell you something. That's like me asking, are you an American? And you say, I hope so. You know if you're born an American. You know if you're born in this country. You know that you're born an American. And furthermore, you know if you're born again in Jesus this morning. Don't you? Say, yeah, Brother Bill, I know. See, Christ isn't returning to anyone who thinks they're saved. He's not returning for somebody who says, I hope so, Brother Bill. 
He's not returning for someone who thinks they're saved. He's returning for those who know that they're saved. This lifting up involves a people who know they're saved. But this lifting up to heaven also involves a person. Look in verse 16 again. For the Lord himself. <laughs> the Lord himself will descend from heaven. He's the one that's going to come get me. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Can I tell you, there ain't a single one of us that are going to make it to heaven on our own. It ain't possible. It ain't happening. There ain't no stairway to heaven. There ain't no highway to heaven. The Lord himself will take us to heaven. Now, I remember several years back now that the NASCAR driver Dale Earnhardt. Who remembers Dale Earnhardt, grade old number three? Amen. He was known as the intimidator on the, on the racetrack. And in the last turn of the last lap of the Daytona 500, his car went head on into the wall at 180 miles an hour. At Dale's autopsy, it was revealed that he died from a skull fracture, a skull fracture that resulted from a very forceful whiplash. And it's been suggested by several that had he been wearing this device that would have supported his neck and his head, that he very well may have survived that wreck. But Earnhardt, like many other NASCAR drivers, refused to wear that device because it interfered with their ability to drive the car. It interfered with the way they wanted to drive. But Earnhardt and those others that have refused to use this device may very well be choosing death. For the choice is theirs. And friends, those that have placed their, their faith in Jesus Christ and fully planted themselves in the Savior and the Lord above, we know that we're headed for a terrible collision. It's a collision with the judgment of God. And we better have that safety device. There is a safety device, but listen to this you will have a lot less control of your life. Amen. Like Earnhardt and the other NASCAR drivers, you got to decide. You need to decide if you're going to make use of what God has provided no matter what it might cost you. If you'll simply give Jesus the wheel. Amen. No pun intended. Give Jesus a wheel. One day soon the promise of scripture is, is that you will be whisked away into the air by the Lord himself. By the Lord himself. So this lifting up involves a person, but this lifting up also involves a power. Verse 16 says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Y'all hearing the power in that? 
Are y'all hearing the power in those verses? Can you imagine a power so strong that it can cause dead people in the grave to rise? Can you imagine a power so strong that it can make people who are alive in Christ rise up to be with him in the air? See, the dead are not only going to rise from cemeteries in every place in the world, they're also going to rise from the bottom of the sea. They're going to rise from the dust of the earth. They're going to rise from the heights of the mountains. But not only the dead in Christ will rise, but also the alive in Christ will rise. So, Bill, what exactly is going to happen when this whole rapture thing occurs? Well, let me lay out this scenario for you. Maybe you're going to be driving along in your car under the speed limit, unlike your pastor. Yeah. Did I say that? Maybe you're going to be driving along in your car, and perhaps you're a Christian, and perhaps there are a few people in your car, and they're Christians too, but maybe there's someone who's not a believer in Christ. Well, when that trumpet sounds, you... And the other born-again believers who are with you in that car will instantly be caught away. You'll quite literally disappear. Leaving behind only your clothing. So remember what Mama said. <laughs> Wear clean underwear. But listen to what else you're going to leave behind because there's some other things you're going to leave behind. Some other physical things you're going to leave behind that cannot inherit eternal life. Things like your wallet. Won't be needing that. Your checkbook. You won't be needing that. Your gold jewelry. Your diamond earrings. And your iPhone 10 you will not need on that day. Unsaved persons will be startled to find that the driver's missing and that the car eventually crashes. Absolute chaos occurs on that highway and every highway like it as Christians are caught away at the Lord's command. Imagine Planes with Christian pilots. Imagine malls with no Christian shoppers. Imagine empty office cubicles and factory stations that are unattended. Imagine... A stadium full of Alabama fans. All dressed in crimson. Left behind. <laughs> as the rest of the believers are caught away. Say amen. amen. Thank you, brother. There's one of you. I remember a story. Story about a newspaper boy 
who had no legs. He would deliver his newspapers by pushing himself along on this wheeled platform. And the little boy stopped at a bus stop. And there was this man across the street that was watching him. And he scratched his head and he began to wonder, how's this kid going to get on the bus? So the bus comes up and stops at the bus stop and all the little boy did was raise his hands. And the bus driver reached down, grabbed a hold of his hands and put him on the bus. At this time of rapture that I'm talking about, Jesus is going to lift us up by his great power. Maybe even if you're an Alabama fan. So this flying away involves a lifting up. But I want you to notice this morning that this flying away also involves a leaving behind. Look again in verse 17. The Bible says that we will meet the Lord in the air and thus we will always be with the Lord. You see, when we depart on our flight, we're going to have to leave some things behind. Bill, what are we going to leave behind? Well, you're going to have to leave your sin behind. Can I get an amen? Revelation 21, 27, the Bible says, And there shall be by no means enter anything that defiles, is an abomination, or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's the very reason why some people ain't going to make it. Some people refuse to let go of their sins. They love their sins so much that they choose to refuse to turn away from their sin, thereby opening their heart to the salvation that Jesus offers as Lord and Savior. The truth is this, though, as long as you and I walk on this earth, we will struggle with sin. Anybody else identify with that? We struggle with sin. But as believers, while we will never be sinless, through Jesus, we can learn to sin less. But I want you to know something. That on that day, on that day when we're caught away, we're going to leave all sin behind. Praise the Lord for that. You see, Christians are not only saved from their past sins and its penalty. We're also saved from our present sin and its power. But here's the good news for you. We're also saved from our future sin and its presence. Because it ain't going to be, praise God. What a promise. What a promise of the Word of God. So we're going to have to leave sin behind. But we will also leave sorrow behind. Revelation 21, 4, the Bible says that God will wipe away all tears 
There will be no more death, no more sorrow, nor crying, nor will there be any more pain. People who have experienced, we people, I should say, who have experienced sorrow in our lives, perhaps at the death of a loved one, ought to find great comfort in Revelation 21.4 because that sorrow you feel will pass away. Boy, we miss those that have passed on, don't we? Missing those that we love can hurt so bad. But God's promise is this. At the coming of Jesus, all those tears, all that crying, all that brokenheartedness, all that pain, all that sorrow of the Christian will be left behind, praise God. leave behind that sorrow but not only the sin and not only the sorrow but we're also going to leave Satan behind and I only got one thing to say see you wouldn't want to be you amen <laughs> you want to know why I say that because Revelation 2010 says the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are John Wesley once said you give me a hundred people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and I'll shake the world. I don't care whether they're clergy or lay people. They can overcome this kingdom of Satan and build up the kingdom of heaven. I hate to tell you this, but as long as you're alive... Satan will never leave you alone. He'll treat you just like he treated Jesus in the wilderness. We've learned this on Sunday nights. We learned that Satan came and sorely tempted our Savior in the wilderness. But when Jesus responded appropriately, Satan left. But guess what? He came back. Yeah, he'll leave and he'll come back. He'll leave for a season and then come in the next. But listen up. He will never bother you again in heaven. Why? Because you're leaving him behind. So this flying away involves a lifting up and it involves a, a leaving behind. But can I tell you that this flying away also involves a landing, praise God. Verse 17 says, and so we shall ever be with the Lord. You see, every departure leads to an arrival. Whenever you leave one place, you arrive at another. And not all flights have a safe arrival. But this one does. <laughs> Praise God. This landing is going to involve a lot of new things. 
First of all, it's going to involve a new body. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, For our citizenship is in heaven, so we eagerly await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, get this, will transform our lowly bodies so that we may be conformed to his glorious body. We won't have the same bodies that we have here on earth, and for some of us, that makes us very happy, amen? But we will have glorified bodies just like Jesus. I read that in 1833, there was this great meteor shower in the United States, and one old man ran to the local cemetery thinking Jesus was coming back. And someone asked him, why are you running to the cemetery? And he said, I want to see my best friend who died. I want to see him with his new body. You see, when he was a young lad, he lost his arm when a tree fell on him. And I want to go and I want to see him with his new arm. Amen. Praise the Lord. Christians, believers on the Lord Jesus Christ will have a new, complete, whole, glorified, new body. Praise the Lord. But this landing will not only involve a new body, it will involve a new building. You know what John 14, 2 says. In my Father's house, the Lord Jesus said, there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Man, mankind has built some magnificent structures. But they're all like shanties compared to what God has prepared for the believer in heaven. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, For eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. A new building. But finally, this landing also will involve new blessings. In Revelation 22.3, the Bible says, There'll be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will serve Him. At CIA, we've been teaching our children about the curse. The curse of sin that happened in the garden. We've taught them about the, the curse that Adam received. We've, been, we've taught them about the curse that Eve received. We taught them about the curse that the serpent received. But I got good news for you. That curse was planted, but in heaven it will be plucked. It will be no more. And think about it. We have received so many blessings on this earth. So many physical blessings. So many spiritual blessings. But can I tell you this morning that our greatest blessing is yet to come? In heaven? In other words... You ain't seen nothing yet. We'll receive rewards for godly service. We'll see our believing loved ones who have gone on before us. That's going to be exciting. Amen. But the greatest blessing, the greatest blessing we're going to receive is to be able to see Jesus. And bow on our knees and cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, friend, we get to see Jesus. All this life, all this time, 
We've been living by faith in Jesus. We get to see him. We get to see Jesus. D.L. Moody once taught a Bible study on Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. And the Bible says there, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then D.L. got a, a blackboard and he put two lists on it. One was for earthly treasures and the other list was for heavenly treasures. On the list of earthly treasures, he listed things like jewels and land, money and fame, pleasures and hobbies, sports and clothes and power and cell phones. And over here, in the heavenly treasures, he listed Jesus. He could almost stop there, couldn't he? But he went on. He wrote, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends who died in the Lord, angels, crowns, mansions, new songs, sinlessness, Absolute purity and eternal life. And when he got done with those two lists, he compared them and boy, those earthly treasures seemed so small. Why? Because friend, worldly treasures cannot be compared with heavenly treasures. When the rapture trumpet sounds, Will you hear it? When the rapture trumpet sounds, will you fly away with Christ to heaven? I sure hope so. But I want you to know today that you can be saved and you can know so. This flying away it involves a lifting up, a lifting up of people who have placed their faith in the person of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. This flying away involves a leaving behind of things like sin and sorrow and that old nasty adversary, Satan. But this flying away also involves a landing, a landing with brand new bodies, with a new building prepared for you in heaven and new blessings that you cannot possibly fathom. So I have but one question for you this morning. Jesus could return today. What could you possibly be waiting for? Our Lord in heaven, we thank you for the truth of your word and its absolute authority. And Lord, I pray this morning that if there is 
even one person in this room who cannot say with 100% confidence that they know that they're going to be a part of this glorious catching away, that today they would make sure that their profession of faith in Christ is real. Father, we need to know that. So, Lord, I pray that you'd speak in a still, soft whisper that only they can hear and that they would have the courage to put one foot in front of the other. Just step out, step forward, and allow me to share with them what the Word of God says about how they can be saved and how they can be sure that they hear this glorious trumpet that will sound. Your will, your way, your glory, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand, let's sing. Let's stand, let's sing.